This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, OK, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast. They'll be in way better condition for this, way better prepared. And I think they'll be, I talked about being in sync. I think they'll be in sync. I think, you know, if the coaching staff, you know, it's always a challenge for coaches in the top 14. There's so many games, you know, trying to get the messaging clear, changing a big game plan. You know, when you've got four or five day turnarounds quite consistently through the season, that's pretty difficult. They're not going to have that this time. They'll have these guys training separately, similar to what Leinster have. So I'd expect a very coherent approach, very organised, and I'd also expect them to be a bit fired up about this one. I think they'll be hurting from that French loss to Ireland too. So there's lots of little subplots in this. Plus, obviously, last season's match where they took a good hammering. It's Champions Cup semi-final week, and what a blockbuster we have to look forward to this Saturday. Leinster host Toulouse at the Aviva Stadium in a battle of the two most successful teams in the history of the competition, and it promises to be an absolute cracker. We will be discussing that and plenty more on tonight's episode of the Left Wing Podcast. Will Slattery here, and I'm delighted to be joined by Luke Fitzgerald and Keane Tracy in studio. And Keane, we were just talking off air. It feels like a big week. It feels like for Leinster, for this competition, for us in terms of club rugby, we've been waiting for the business end to come back around to see if can get over the line this time you know what are your thoughts now we've kind of gotten to this kind of crunch period it does feel like a big week yeah I remember a few weeks ago when we were all sitting here I was kind of saying you know post Six Nations it kind of takes you a while to pick up you were a little low but to be fair the rugby has actually been brilliant over the last few weeks Um, so my enthusiasm levels have been up but they've ratcheted up definitely a notch this week Um, feels like a test week kind of doesn't it I suppose it is like as close to Ireland and France as you're going to get Um, yeah I can't wait absolutely buzzing for the game Um, flicking back like I was at the game last year and I was having a look back through it earlier and because just my memory is so bad like even in terms of last year and I I'd forgotten like lots of different aspects of that game and I wonder, you know, how much stock Leinster will put in it. Obviously, they... Give us a few things for people who mightn't have touched on it in a while. Like, what watching about you from last year? I forgot how good Johnny Sexton was in that game in particular. He was outstanding and that kind of... When, when I watched him kind of pull the strings and he created so many of the tries, I was kind of like reminded, okay, they're not going to have him this weekend, which kind of puts a little bit more pressure, I think, on Ross Byrne. I think we've we've all waxed lyrical about how good Ross Byrne has been. But I think these are the kind of games where, you know, you really do generally kind of miss a Johnny Sexton, I would say. So a um, bit of pressure, I would think, on, on Ross Byrne to deliver. James Lowe was obviously very good in that game. He's not going to be playing this weekend. That would probably create an opportunity for Jordan Larmer, you'd think. You'd imagine Jimmy O'Brien would probably go on to the left wing, Jordan Larmer onto the right wing. And like, if that 
comes to pass, which you imagine it will, what a massive opportunity for Jordan Armour um, on two fronts, I think, both for Leinster in terms of forcing himself into the Irish World Cup squad because opportunities like this are going to come around few and far between from now until the end of the season. So they were kind of a couple of things that jumped out to me. I mean, I think we all remember France obviously won the Grand Slam last year and Toulouse were very leggy. Like they didn't, they didn't even win the top 14. They had a real disappointing end to the season. And I think the dynamic is very interesting this year because obviously Ireland now have won the Grand Slam, but you know, the Leinster players have been so well looked after over the last few weeks. Toulouse rested all their players basically for the last weekend. They lost to Stad, but the previous weekend, a lot of them have to come off the bench against Leon and they're two of their title rivals. So um, there's so much at stake. I'd forgotten how not just leggy they were, but Toulouse were sloppy around there in, in discipline. And I, that probably f- played into the part that they were so wrecked after basically being the bulk suppliers to the French squad. So they were kind of things that, that jumped out to me. But... I think both teams are coming into this game probably in a better position than what they were last season and Toulouse in particular. So it couldn't be better shaped up. Yeah, there is a narrative that Toulouse, you know, between, as Key mentioned, the legginess, the, the French lads who had a big taxing Six Nations campaign winning the Grand Slam and going to extra time against Munster the previous week in Dublin, having to go back to France and then coming back to Dublin and all that maybe contributed to, because it was it was a hiding in the end. It was a six-day turnaround as well, if memory serves, wasn't it? No, Saturday to Saturday. Was it? Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, it was definitely, was it? Yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. But still, like, you it? know, it was a lot, it was a lot of traveling, a lot of, you know, minutes in the bodies for those lads the previous weekend, because there was t- over 20 points between the teams. But there does seem to be a sense from everyone I've been talking to, just, you know, in the build up to the match, that this is going to be far, far tighter. And like Toulouse have a very, very good chance of coming to Dublin and winning. They weren't playing as well last year either. Like, that's, you know, aside from, um, you know, the match the week before the French Grand Slam all those kind of things which do they are mentally quite taxing I think you're able to probably recover the body but just generally speaking I think that's the bit that that you could find tiring in a stage like that in the season and I think Leinster were playing really really top quality rugby at the time Johnny Sexton was purring the team you know the timing particularly in attack that day um, yeah they they you know, they, they absolutely shredded them. Now, what I would say was, is it, it was interesting to hear the Toulouse boys talk about, I, I don't know who I, I heard a snippet of on Twitter, you know, you're kind of passing by one of these things, but there was an interview, um, I think it was around, I was listening to maybe Jack oh, Conan and something Arnold, else. I think, was it? Yeah, I don't know who it was exactly, I can't remember who it was, but he was talking about the defence was the specific thing that he called out. And, and to be honest with you, at the amount of times Leinster, you know, went through the middle of that Toulouse defence, I just think... You just cannot let them do that. I think if they're going to get outside you, let them get outside you, but make sure that... And La Rochelle, I think, have done that really well. You know, they just have given Leinster nothing in that kind of tight exchanges around around the rook and around any of the kind of set pieces and things like that. It, Leinster get very little pay compared to what they usually get. They can usually manipulate teams and create spaces in there, and then they can, once they're in behind you, they're just so hard to stop because so many ball carriers with power, pace, footwork... And everyone's a good passer of the ball. So they find the space, even if it's not that person, he's, he runs a good line. And, you know, guess what? He can also pass if you do make the right decision. So everyone's got to be in sync and um, understanding what the assignment is. And I always thought that was what La Rochelle did really well against Leinster. And also what Saracens did really well. There's plenty of blueprints to stopping this Leinster juggernaut. You know, what, what, it, what seems like a juggernaut for, you know, when you think about their season as a whole, Will, and you think about the Irish team, which obviously this Leinster team supplies the bulk of that. So... 
I, I would be very cautious. I think the soundings that you know from the Leinster camp, I like. It sounds like they are being cautious about this. They're not overly confident. Uh, they recognise that this is a far bigger challenge than it was last season. And Toulouse, I think, um, in their approach, given that they, I think they rested quite a number of their starters uh, on the weekend, um, they'll be in way better condition for this, way better prepared. And I think they'll be. I talked about being in sync. I think they'll be in sync. I think you know if the coaching staff, you know, it's always a challenge for coaches in the top 14 there's so many games you know trying to get the messaging clear changing a big game plan you know when you've got four or five day turnarounds quite consistently through the season that's pretty difficult they're not going to have that this time they'll have these guys training separately similar to what Leinster have so I'd expect a very coherent approach very organised and I'd also expect them to be a bit fired up about this one. I think they'll be hurting from that French loss to Ireland too. So there's lots of little subplots in this. Plus, obviously, last season's match where they took a good hammering. I think the the fact that they did rest their their players last weekend because it was a massive game. Their lead at the top, the, the top of the top fourteen, is only down to a point now. I'm pretty sure from La Rochelle. So, like, it wasn't like it was a massive game. So that to me spoke volumes in terms of how much stock Toulouse are putting in this game. I remember hearing Hugo Mola, their head coach, earlier. It might have been before the even before the quarterfinal. They had Leinster mapped out from a long way out that they if they had gotten through they predicted Leinster would have gotten through and it's come to pass as well so um, there's going to there's so much at stake for this but I also think it it, it, it sets it up even better from a, from a neutral's point of view as well because if you had a Toulouse team coming in off the back of you know playing Stad last week and all of their players had been playing there could be you know room for excuses or whatever now you don't at all like and it's it's very unusual for a French team to to be fair Toulouse have been the, the shining light in this over the years in terms of putting as much stock in the top four, in, into the Champions Cup as they do in the top fourteen so uh, I just think that adds to it even more yeah and it's funny you know the similarities between Toulouse and the La Rochelle or Saracens teams that have beaten. Leinster like Leinster there wouldn't be any baggage with Toulouse they beat them quite well in two semi-finals over this period in 2019 and, and last year and I suppose home advantage was probably key as it will be again and that's the common denominator across those fixtures you know you mentioned you know kind of the build up that Leinster have had like Leo Cullen speaking about the hype and how you know he's not happy maybe with the amount of hype being thrown on the Leinster team you know mentioning that they hadn't won anything last year it, it was an interesting time for him to come out and say it it's an interesting discussion generally like because it would be hard for players not to listen to that, like, and not, not let it seep in, seep in. Like, they do win the majority of their games quite comfortably. They'd won, I think, their first 19 matches this season. Like, that that has to breed a little bit. And then you see how they play against Leicester, one of the top teams in England, putting that many points on them. Like, like, does, like I'm not surprised he's kind of coming out and trying to dampen things down because I do think it has played a part in them stumbling a little bit at the latter stages of competitions because I just don't, I don't, they haven't delivered. They haven't delivered like their best performance in any of these defeats. You know, I've never come away from a loss they've had saying, "Oh, they played really well," and like La Rochelle were just slightly better. I'd be like, "Oh, Leinster really underperformed," and La Rochelle played great, but Leinster didn't even get close to their potential on some of these big days. They look panicky. I thought, you know, they looked like a team that were kind of caught off guard or something in those big days. If, if you ask me honestly, watching the game, you think about how many handling errors, um, you know, how they dealt with a team that was actually fronting up with them when they weren't kind of steamrolling them, um, which kind of nearly occurred all the way through the competitions up until those key matches, Will. And that's what I thought. I, I thought it looked like a team that were used to being the bully boys. Um, you know, picking teams apart, teams panicking in front of them. And when they come up against really quality opposition, very organised and very, very physical, um, 
just didn't perform. You know, looked like they were they, they couldn't really figure out how to get control of the games. Now it's probably pretty harsh considering that they didn't play great last year against La Rochelle, but still it took until the very very last play of the game to pretty much beat them. So that's probably maybe a little bit harsh in that in that fixture. But I still think they didn't they didn't play well in that game either. Um, I, I think the big difference maybe for Leinster this season possibly uh, is maybe the little bit of return to focus on that defence being a little bit stingier. I think they're a little bit better than they were this year than they have been. Uh, there's been a bit more focus in that area. And if you think about, like, there, there is going to be times you're playing against a really good team that you're not probably going to be at your best. You hope it's not in that final, you know, but the final does have more nerves around it, more pressure. So that's probably... Well, ironically, the one they won in this period against Rasik 92, they didn't play well in that game either. You, you know, generally they don't. They squeaked by in that one when, uh, uh, yeah, I was... Th- think of how many times as a sports person or as, as, a, as, a, as a sports watcher that we're, you're, you're watching the biggest event and oftentimes, because of all the nerves surrounding it, because of the that edginess that players have, the the want uh, to win it uh, nearly a little bit too much, that it, it kind of it, it's nearly underdone. Uh, you know, it leaves you a little bit deflated because the quality of the game isn't always there. It's oftentimes what they always say: defense nearly wins these. But things some of well. those defeats didn't come in finals. That's you know, that's kind of my no. Point, but the pressure you know, was there. They came up yeah. against a team that was not afraid of them, that was willing to go blow for blow. Had and as I said, had a plan about how they were going to take Leinster on, and had the had the belief in themselves to be able to go and deliver that um, there was no real plan B like I, I, I my, my worry with Leinster um, is that I, I'm always concerned about I think they have one pace of play they just play that's it and they try and break you that way but if you can disturb that if you can slow up the rook ball if you can you know if you can interrupt the momentum in the early stages they just continue to do that they just continue to to keep playing that's fine against a team that can't live with you that doesn't have you know as many good players as the likes of a Toulouse or La Rochelle will have that's going to be the challenge for them can this team adjust to that can they play the slow game can they put the ball can they play that negative rugby that sometimes you need can they sit in the pocket and just defend for five or ten minutes against an onslaught a team with DuPont uh, and these guys picking you apart can they do that, that that's, that's what I think that's a, that's a question this team has to answer I think if they can do it I think they can beat the likes of La Rochelle and, and Toulouse but to this point at the big moments over the last couple of years they've underperformed and they haven't been able to adjust to, to a team that's been able to interrupt that momentum um, and that's a key bit for me this weekend. Can they do that? Because Toulouse, I think, will interrupt the momentum at different points in the game. Slow it down. You heard them talking about um, not playing at Leinster's pace or Ireland's pace, adjusting to that. That's something that they learned from the fixture in the Aviva this time. I think they'll try and manage that a bit better. Selection-wise, like the, the the pack in particular is interesting depending on who's fit. You know, it seems like Josh van der Fleer will be back just looking from the, the sports file photos of him training away in, in Donnybrook. Ryan Baird remains to be seen if he's fit as well. But let's just base it off that maybe the two lads coming back in. What would your kind of back five without scrum selection be? Because there's a few different ways they could go. Especially because uh, like Thibaut Flamand, the second row for France, played in the back row, I think, against the Sharks to get, get a bit of extra heft. So if he goes back there, you could have Miafu and Arnold in the second row. It would be a very physical, you know, meaty bearing. Yeah, and I think um, I'm writing a piece on the two of them, actually, at the moment. And I know they played last year and they dealt with him quite well. But Miafu, I think, has gone to another level this season. He's Will Skelton, you know, 2.0, and he is going to be difficult to contain. So... Look, we'll start with the second row. Jason Jenkins was signed for games like this, in in my view. You know, like they've come up short in against your Lara Shells, your Saracens. They identified that as a an area of weakness, you could certainly call it. And they went out and they got 
uh, a bulky South African second row. He's not quite on Miafu or Will Skelton's level. Now, few people are. <laughs> but I think many of those people around. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but he. I was. I was looking at it for the piece. But um, Jenkins is considerably heavier than your likes, your Ross Maloney and your James Ryan's. But Ross Maloney's been playing really, really well this season. And obviously, it sounds like Ryan Baird is fit from what we're hearing. Sean O'Brien told us a couple of weeks ago that he'd be amazed if he didn't make it back, which is really surprising when you consider when we saw him go off with his arm in the makeshift sling in that Leicester game you were kind of thinking geez, I hope he's going to be okay for the World Cup but it wasn't as bad as um it looked, it wasn't as bad as Ryan Baird thought. So um, you obviously have the option of putting Ryan Baird into the second row. Um, personally, I would imagine, because Je- there was some talk that maybe Jenkins came home from South Africa with Leo Cullen. I don't know if that's true, but obviously he didn't play in that Bulls game, which I thought was pretty telling as well. They obviously brought him. I was surprised they brought him in the first place. Yeah, I, they wanted, I think they, wanted, game they, time. they needed him to get game time. They got He got that in, in the Lions game, obviously, and I thought it was telling that he wasn't involved. So look, Jenkins is going to either be on the bench you're starting personally I'd be tempted to start him I have to say with James Ryan in the second row as well as Ross Maloney has been playing and he's been playing really well and the back row is very tricky I think to call um if, if Ryan Baird is fully fit and he's been showed no signs of you know the injury the shoulder injury that he had then I don't see how you can leave him out of the team in the form that he's in I think gives Ka- you the weight too he gives you the weight gives you the bulk I think Caelan Doris is an automatic I, in my opinion selection at number 8 and so is Josh van der Fleer at 7 if he's fit So, but to leave out Jack Conan who has been exceptional and for Ireland as well and I saw he did an interview with the, the Sunday papers at the weekend and talking about you know the kind of health scare that he had and I think it was they said they, they found a cyst in his was it what, what Cheer- 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 yeah. yeah, very Which, unusual yeah. very unusual and like a real scary incident but like the way he kind of framed it was he was really relieved that he had something to pin on you know his not lack of form but like he he had a dip but it lack was of that, energy. lack of energy yeah. and that was noticeable from the outset and this I think we've made this point before in the podcast this is one of the reasons why I really like Jack Conan in terms of his honesty coming out and saying that because you think of the heights he hit for the Lions in South Africa three test line starter he was exceptional so um, good for him that he's kind of got the root of the issue but now he's back to his I would say close to his best but I still think Caelan Doris is probably on another level so my preferred back row would probably be Ryan Baird at six, Josh van der Fleer at seven and Caelan Doris at eight with Jack Conan and Ross Maloney to come off the bench and the bench are going to have a really important impact to play Having with. Jack Conan in reserve, it'll be harsh for him to miss out but as we saw in those Ireland games, like it was it was huge. It was probably the winning and losing of some of those games, the impact he made. So it's no bad thing to have someone like that on the on the bench. Yeah, I mean, I think we've gone automatically to that. I'm... Um, be huge. I, 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 I don't know. I really don't know who you leave out. I, I knew that was the follow up, and I was like, don't say it. But like, you have like, to. Conan has played better than Doris Correct. since the French game. So Doris, uh, obviously, that's what, that's what had a bit of an injury, played out of position, you know, came back against Leicester, you know, was okay, got, this, got a yellow card, you know. Well, I like completely. Yeah. That's, what, that's kind of what I'm. I, but it just feels wrong to say. Put him on the bench. The one thing I would say about Doris is. It, it, depending on who, say you get an injury, Doris just slots in there easily, and and the other two, the other person doesn't have to move position, if you know what I mean. So there's, you know, there's there's. It was it, interesting it, that they played Doris open side against Leicester. Obviously, it didn't last. Well, he's very such long a good fetcher. Ryan yeah. Baird went off, you know, but that was very interesting as well that Leinster looked at that. So he can now play six, seven, and eight. Yeah, and actually, weirdly enough, it was a terrible performance on the weekend. But Will Connors actually looks like I don't know he I don't know whether he features at all in this, but he's actually playing quite well as well. Scott Penny's been playing well, but this one I think. It's where the size thing comes into play. Um, you know, I think um, 
it'll be really interesting to see what they go with there. Uh, look, either way, I think Leinster's back row is you know very well matched against nearly any back row in the world, and they have that other guy who is also world class who'll be on the bench, whether that's. Well, we're talking about Doris, but it could be, it could be Baird, it could be Doris, it could be Cohn. I think Van der Fleer is the most natural seven of the lot, and he just slots in there perfectly. I think he he's the world player of the year. I don't think he's been shooting the lights out, but he's still so solid and you know consistent numbers. Um, you know, I think he, he's in there regardless. But whoever's in there, very very competitive. I like Baird for this one at six because. He is that hybrid second row. He's a big six. Now, he's got all the attributes for a perfect six. You know, we see the pace. We see the bounce in the in the line and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and he, he's added that fetching to his game as well. He's strong on the ground. He had some great turnovers, I thought, through the Six Nations and for Leinster the last couple of weeks. So uh, I think he has to play. And I think he gives you the weight for the scrum. I think if you were thinking about Porter and that weight and that, uh, obviously it's more important a tight head side in, in a big game like this. But you still want your loose to have that support. Having that weight, the extra four or five kilos, I do think it makes probably a difference at this level Will coming up against a pack like that just on his left butt cheek he'll, he'll want that there uh, if he's coming under pressure so look it'll be interesting to see how it plays out um, I think I'd be going Jenkins and I that's an awful thing to say because I, I've lo- I'm friendly I like every time I see Ross Maloney's a great guy like one of the greats but I just think the weight and I think if the game opens up at the end I think you probably want Maloney on the pitch for that I think he's also able to call the line at, you know uh, you know under pressure he's proved that uh, Ryan is well able to, to do those duties there's less of a concern about that he's per- you know he's well able to, to manage that um, and I just think his ball handling ability if he can come on and deliver what he's delivered in open play Maloney I think suits the second the the maybe the the last third of this game uh, or the final quarter of the game whatever you like to whenever you think you might bring him on to freshen up that pack I, I think he suits that a little bit better just in my opinion I don't know whether I'm right or wrong it feels harsh he played really well in the semi-final he's been brilliant yeah, he has been brilliant been exceptional yeah. for, for Leicester yeah. I mean he's very very unlucky not to have been capped I'd fully expect that he'll be in the wider kind of Ireland World Cup squad whether or not he makes the World Cup squad I think I it's a different matter he, might get a cap. he deserves but, a cap he's been he, playing very well he's been playing yeah. very ah, very well and like he's a de facto leader for Leinster as well like you can see him he's always um, talking and stuff so uh, not just talking but he's always leading and you can see that and you can hear that so do, do you guys agree with that well I think that's a no, big think, call is, I, it, yeah, is that a big call, call, call but, the but Jenkins I, wait it's why he's brought in yeah. exactly I go back to my point this is why Jen, Jason Jenkins was signed no point for, in signing for, otherwise for, yeah. exactly for yeah. games like and really, you know if we're talking about differences between this year last year Ryan Baird at six is a difference like he yeah. wasn't really in the mix I can't remember the injured towards the end of last year he got the he had a concussion in a match remember or was that, no that was sure this year. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. He, was, he wasn't. He was, I think he wasn't. He wasn't in the 20, he wasn't I don't in the think he was in the same place either. No, you know, I think he's the Six Nations. The start of this season was the start of the season was huge for him. Like he really, he was brilliant up in in, um, in Ravenhill Kingspan. Um, you know, he and he had a few brilliant matches at the start of the season before he got that injury, and he's come back on fire. I think I think Paul O'Connell has been massive for him in terms of, uh, and uh, like of course, so have the Leinster coaches. But I think the nitty gritty stuff around Ryan Baird's game in terms of the poaches, his work rate, his stuff, his liner acumen. Uh, from what I hear anyway Paul O'Connell has been massive for him they've really because like you, you can everyone can see the athlete that he is but it's trying to make him into that more rounded they, they haven't stifled that part of him no, you know, because he, he's yeah. I think he's a bit of a not knowing him unbelievably well but I just I think he's a bit of an eclectic personality I think you know he's uh, some interesting I think you had a good interesting interview with him I thought there was a few few third persons in there um, which I was a bit I, look he's obviously a very confident guy um, we love him because he's because he's real open yeah he's open he's, he's a little bit different yeah. yeah yeah but I think they haven't you can see how good an athlete he is you can see how eager he is to impress they haven't really I think they've smoothed the kind yeah. of the sharp edges with him a little bit you said the poaching bit is great because I think, I think you can't leave out um, a Doris or a Conan 
because they, they will get you a poacher like Doris will get you loads of poachers but Conan gets you one or two as well and he's a great tackler um, you know if he doesn't have that bit on the ground I don't think he can pick him six I don't think he can pick him ahead of either of those two guys and that is something that's been a point of difference and then you got that athletic ability that he has I mean that pace I mean it's so exciting to watch him in whether it's in the, you know chasing a kick through and making a tackle on a fullback or whether he's you know going through a gap he's an unbelievable asset to have and I think yeah. like that's a sign of good coaching as well because there's no way you can coach that out of a player who has these kind of rare abilities like he's like a back in the forwards body so um, that's a brilliant sign of the coaching that he's getting at Leinster yeah. and Ireland because he is in a very different place and you're right to point it out Will because his introduction if he does start and I think a lot will depend I think it'd be easier to maybe leave Ryan Baird on the bench if he's not you know 100% fit because he's had that injury but if he is then his form the I would power the pure great power options. great options, good options yeah. there. Like, and you know as well as the you know the power Toulouse will bring Leinster also going against the best rugby player in the world and you know he, he's playing his best rugby probably that we've seen him play which is saying something he was absolutely electric in the Six Nations you know he, I think he's carried that back into Toulouse kind of colours like how do, how do Leinster keep an eye on him you know because it's funny in the two games like obviously he was in the Aviva back to back last year this time he, he, he did look a bit leggy he wasn't his usual self doing those probing little snipes he, he looks like he's as dangerous as ever now yeah he probably epitomised uh, Toulouse's struggles in terms of being leggy last season because towards the tail end he just didn't look like the, the player he had been but like you look at the amount of rugby that he played and this is what I mean about Toulouse managing their squad like Dubont didn't play last week now the previous week he came off the bench and actually came on at out half I think which, you know, it's just ridiculous and had a huge impact in terms of Toulouse getting the win over Leon. But um, in terms of like, you know, trying to keep him under wraps, um, I think Josh van der Fleer's fitness is absolutely crucial in that regard. And I would... I, I think Entomac as well. Entomac's on fire to me. Did you see something? on fire when Dupont gives him the ball? Because like, I feel like a lot of the time it's the Dupont show and of course it is, but it must be frustrating at times to play outside him when you see this skill. Ah, the delivery is very good too. I did, they, they're not, when, they're, when they're working in tandem, when there's a bit of open field play, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't he know. Got, you just he have to love playing with him. He's such a threat. Form. Like there was talk in France to make he should be dropped for Jalabert. Yeah, I just see him against the Sharks. Yeah, but the oh, Sharks, yeah. the Sharks oh. defense though was pretty, pretty, as pretty awful. It was against Munster in the second half. Which I'm sure we'll get ah, but he was. There but was he, some of the stuff was so good. I mean, some of the dummies were awful, but like he still the pace, the he, decision making under pressure. Just uh, he looked. He's an exceptional talent yeah. that sometimes not gets overlooked, but because he's playing alongside Dupont and he does, he kind of does the role of a scrum half and an out half at, at times. So um, I. He's just a, he's a class. Well, the two player. they were playing well, they're really hard to contain, you know. And, it, and we're hoping the weather is going to be decent on the weekend. We get a, like a, you know good running rugby football. Um, and uh, you know the other guy as well. We probably haven't talked Ramos. about yet. Just about to yeah. get to Ramos. I mean the yeah. kicking and the, stats. But and but he's, in his open play now as well. It's way really better. Sharp. Way yeah, better. I used to think of him just as this like unbelievable goal kicker, which obviously is extremely valuable. But now I feel like when I see him, obviously not in, even including that little football dribble along the ground. That was nice. Yeah, crazy. But but he's just, he's just <laughs> popping up. I think, I think most people do attacks. do think like that. Will yeah. I think most people did think he was yeah. just a solid. Goal oh, no, kicker, I, which, I didn't which rate the him. French that hot, yeah, like I just thought a great goal kicker. But now I'm so impressed. Playing great. But I look the kicking thing is important to mention. Like you know, if Leinster are yeah, but if Leinster are loose if they don't if they're not on the ball if they're defensively uh, just a little bit off and they can't contain these guys it can't stop the momentum uh, defensively like, I think that's the key thing for Leinster in this one can they get that a little bit right can they deal with them obviously at set piece I think Leinster can do that but it's defensively can they shut them down can they be can they squeeze the life out of this team can they be really disciplined because Toulouse are one of those teams that you know if Ramos gets the first one like he just doesn't look like he's ever going to miss you know he's one of those guys so you think back to you know it'll give you kind of frights it'll remind you a 
bit of the daily stuff um, against, you know, with, with Saracens where it just, it, it can get away from you against this Toulouse team and all of a sudden you have to start playing that really fast, you know, Leinster have to start forcing it, which they can do. Toulouse were Loads of guys who are, you know, get a nibble of an intercept. You know, they're just one of those teams. Like, you just the score can get away from you. Ramos is a big part of that, I think. Wayne Barnes is the referee as well, which is worth mentioning. Like Leinster have had their struggles, particularly at times in the Champions Cup final last season against La Rochelle, particularly know. around the the breakdown. So that's going to be a big part of this game as well. Like who will adapt better to to Barnes and specifically around the breakdown? Because like Luke says, if Ramos gets shots of goal, he'll take them. And the kicking game, I think, in general, is going to be absolutely huge because like Will you did a great piece during the Six Nations about how much France kicked Toulouse are very similar in that like they kick a lot like DuPont kicks a lot so that's going to be interesting but also Leinster won't have James Lowe's left boot which has been so important for Leinster it's been so important for Ireland we saw in November when James Lowe wasn't there uh, how much they missed it so you do have a brilliant replacement in Jimmy O'Brien in terms of heel slot no problem onto that left wing he has the left boot but in terms of the distance that Lowe can get in his kicks that's going to be I think a bit of a miss for Leinster but it's not giving them those sniffs like that was another thing that I'd kind of forgotten about the game last year was that Le- uh, Toulouse actually went ahead with DuPont, blocked du- him, yeah. DuPont uh, Gibson Park tried to little grubber kick through DuPont kicked down and he Went the full length of the pitch basically and scored so not giving up those easy chances and that came off a poor poor kick and a poor decision uh, from Gibson Park who's I think going to be more important than ever without having Johnny Sexton there um, his influence at scrum half and you know going up against obviously one of the, the greatest ever players you'd have to say is going to be crucial and like what a matchup to, to have like everywhere you look around the pitch in terms of 15 off 15 23 into 3 but the individual there is, is one area I do think Leinster have a marked advantage that's at the centre like if you look at like Henshaw Ringrow is going up against you know Peter Aki who to be fair whenever I see him play he is doing very well for Toulouse and they have a number of guys who could play 13 I think Barassi is one of them Shaka Barres is an Argentinian guy is another but it's just it's not quite the same quality of the international guys that Leinster have and as you mentioned like Leinster got a lot of change in the centre in that game last year and they got a lot of change in the centre against Leicester who like that was a bit different because it was just a a centre partnership that just didn't work but like how good was Ringrose in that game for a guy like who suffered that awful like head injury against um, Edinburgh to come back and just not miss miss a beat I thought was just exceptional really and I think Henshaw has been a bit more of a slow burner in terms of getting back up to the heights he has but this feels like the kind of game where we might see the best of Robbie Henshaw like he hasn't been poor by any means but he set such high standards for himself that it feels like he has another couple of gears to go through and I wouldn't be surprised if we see a big performance from him Yeah we could Stay on this game all day. We might circle back to it at the end and get predictions, but I do want to talk about a few other rugby topics. The Leinster Bulls game, first first and foremost, 62-7. I suppose after getting all the plaudits from their win over the lines that we were given last week, you know, it it was a very tough outing for them. It really shows the difference between, like, playing against, you know, a URC kind of mid-level team and playing against a team of, like, battle-hardened... You know, top. internationals. Yeah. There's a good few internationals yeah. on show yeah. there. I think. There, was, and, there, was um, the, there was a gaping gap there. Yeah, look, it's it's that's it was pretty ugly. Um, you know, a few guys. I think it'll be pretty embarrassing for them to watch a few big players. With you know, I'm, I was going to have I was going to have a go at someone's personal. <laughs> I'm not going to go. I, 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 there was a few guys who have. It was, it was a bit of a reality check for them. You know, no shoulders on and tackles. Like lots of arms and hands touching people, and you know, oh, I let him go. You know, they're, they're just you need to have a certain level of aggression down in South Africa. And if you don't have it, you know, it, it's over. It's finished. Um, there's just too much quality. They generally have great pace out in the outside channels. Um, you know, and when they're getting momentum 
in the tight exchanges against you in that kind of you know, second, third, fourth, fifth defender, which they got all day. Uh, it's just really, really hard to contain them on the hard grounds down there. Um, and, I, and I thought they picked they picked them apart really well. They took their chance as well. They, you know, they squeezed them in the tight, but when it, once they got a sniff out wide, and some of the defending was pretty atrocious. Um, you know, they, they they picked them apart. It was an ugly result. Uh, I think lots of good will come from that, though. I think it was a real reality check for lots of guys who thought that they might be ready for the step up straight away. There's still a distance to go. You still have to have that aggression every time you go out there. You also have, I think there was a few guys who looked like, um, they looked their age, uh, you know, um, which I think is no, it's, it, there's, there's no harm in that. I thought Prendergast, like he just got bullied a lot. They got targeted, I thought. Um, and um, yeah, I think that was great for him because he'll have learned a lot about himself. He looks like a guy, he, look, he got, he got stuck in at different points, but there was different points where he just didn't look like, you know, he didn't look the same as the week before. I think the, the, the altitude as well, a little bit on, looked like it got to them. Um, so there was, a, there was lots of things. They looked like a tired bunch out there. I think they were ready to come home um, a little bit too early, a day too early, I think. And uh, they got punished for it. So look, the learnings are going to be there for them. Um, I think there'll be good learnings for Sean O'Brien too. I'm sure they were thinking, you know, the, the Thanks, Leo, for letting yeah. me it <laughs> Thanks a lot, yeah. Um, but they'd be good learning for these guys. So look, I think you know the important thing for them is that they don't let it get um, to them too much. Uh, I think uh, they need to you know recognise where they need to grow the game, grow their games and their mental games. Um, and I think uh, Leinster that, that that crop of of players still produces a lot of future Leinster players. But um, you know, I think maybe in a couple of years, well, <laughs> which is probably well, not what we were saying last say week. In a couple of years, because like say. There's a potential here for Leinster to potentially play like five knockout games in a row. Like if they do keep progressing through these tournaments, they won't be able to use the same team. There will have to be guys pulled from various, maybe the team who played at the weekend. Or I know there was a couple of other guys who didn't go to South Africa who, who might start various matches. But if they do want to win two trophies, it'll be a very, very difficult running. And it will have to be the, the kind of vaunted squad will really have to, they'll have to dig deep into it maybe for the, the Sharks game the following weekend after this one if they do progress past to lose. Yeah, but not as deep. No, not, like, no, I don't was, think they'll be starting that team. No, but like, like there was a lot of guys there. I think I agree with what Luke said, who, you know, realistically won't feature again this season. And that's just the reality of the situation that they find themselves in. If on the flip side, they had went really well and shot the lights out against, like the lines were really poor. Like, let's call a spade a spade. Leinster did really well to beat them, not taking anything from it. But they're the worst of the South African teams. That Bulls team was was loaded um, and they took full advantage against like it's like some of those players what third fourth choice Leinster players like they're so young fresh out of the academy so. <laughs> and I saw Bismarck Duplessis coming on for the he's old enough to be their dad I know but I was just thinking <laughs> like 40. could you imagine you're getting beaten by, you're beaten by, by like, mid 40 points at that stage I was like imagine coming into those scrums going oh Jesus yeah. like it was there, and they and they looked like they punished them didn't they they, they squeezed them they as did well. yeah but there will there, there will be some of those guys who, who will certainly you know have a chance of featuring like Michael Millen or someone like that yeah. maybe in the Sharks game, he was he was really good. I thought I thought Connors was good as well. Just if they are stuck, the back rower, it's going to be an attritional couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Connors, could, I could think, could definitely feature. He looks good. He looks like he's back. I think like, Connors is just like bubbling away under. I think a lot of I think a, a lot, great turnover. I think a lot of people have forgotten about Will Connors yeah. because they haven't seen him in the big games. When I I was chatting to you, Will, it was probably off a podcast, just texting you or whatever a few weeks ago, saying that. I just wouldn't be surprised if if Will Connors can get in for one of those games, him making a late push to make a World Cup squad. I know they like Scott Penny at the moment and some like John Hodden, it's been going well when he's been fit, fit at Munster, but Andy Farrell loves Will Connors and 
He, when he's been fit, he generally picked him, and I think he's been going. Have really you seen him? He's a big guy too. Big guy. You yeah. met him. He's a, he's actually bumped into him just before he went to before he went to South Africa, and he was, you know, just saying like how nice it was that you know he's finally gotten a run of games because he's had a really really tough time. But I think people, some people have forgotten how good and how effective he is. So. I think all he needs is a sniff. I don't think he'll be getting into the, the 23 this weekend, particularly after coming off the end of South Africa. But for that Sharks game, if he got in and played well, I think he'll be at the forefront of Andy Farrell's minds in terms of, again, a wider squad to go to, go to France because when Will Connors was fit, like, and let's not, like, let's forget, not forget that he was ahead of Josh van der Fleer as well. And that was one of the reasons why Josh van der Fleer kicked on to another level because of that competition. And he strikes me as a, a kind of a guy who could go the way of Josh van der Fleer in terms of taking his game to the next level he just needs that run of games and a chance but like the chances in that Leinster back row are obviously slim very, very slim but like it'll anyway. be attritional there's like big games coming up for, for this Leinster pack and um you know, I would not be surprised if there was an injury or two to some kind of key guys and they'd have to figure out how to survive that. And I think um, he's a pure seven. I think he's got that size advantage over Penny, which everyone hates me saying because of how impressive the, you know Penny is. But Connor's been brilliant. Um you know, he does. He gives you that pure fetcher. You know, he's one of those guys, isn't he? Like, and he. Amazing I actually, attack. I actually thought in in a in a, in a game where Leinster really struggled on the weekend. You know, he came up with a couple of big plays. I, I was very impressed by him. Um, so yeah, interesting to see who these. You know, and and you think of like Leinster do have lots of firepower though. You know, I do actually think Nick McCarthy's been playing okay as well down there. I thought he was he was reasonably good. Um, and uh, that was nice to see because I think Luke McGrath will have a part to play as well in the end of this season. So um, yeah, Leinster I think have enough there to to deal with you know five or six big games in the trot will uh, I wouldn't be worried about it you know no I'm just I, I just, I'm interested to see what that, sort oh, will, of will someone yeah, 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 or, yeah. Or, or like you know because how many games can you play in a row I don't know I think at this point you, you might you, just you yeah, yeah, five matches in a you row. might pitch up I, why wouldn't you I, you might you might well have to pitch up someone like if you're in a less you know, I could see... Do you know what I think happens in the really physical positions? You know, you might see a little bit of rotation in that back row, which Leinster can do because they've got lots of quality. But say the front row, I still think all those guys will play every week. Dante plays 80. No, no, but what they'll have to do is, you know, if, if they're going well, the issue for them is if they're not going well and these guys have to play like kind of bigger minutes than you want. But you could take guys off for 55, 60 minutes. You think of your Tyke Furlongs, your Porters, your Sheehan, these guys in very difficult kind of, you know, your, your, who has lots of minutes on the clock. I'd say James Ryan has lots of minutes on the clock. Guys like that, you can take. If you're going well, you can pick, you can take the, one or two of those guys. Well, Ronan Callagher sidelined. Like he, Dan Sheen. I did see him in the Sportsville picks. Oh, really? I did. I spotted. But he's, him he's listed in the kind of yeah, no update. Which no, he, I don't think he's going to feature this weekend. But Leinster have been really coy around you know how long he's going to be out for because um, it was a recurrence of the injury, which is worrying because that was the injury that kept him out for the shoulder injury for most of last season. It carried on into the summer tour. But they might have figured it out though. You mean? Yeah, like I did a, spot him in training, which is very encouraging because you were kind of worried that his season might be over so it, do, it doesn't look like it will be um, so yeah that's I think that's a massive important as well look you can look at it I know there's a break week a couple of break weeks into Six Nations but you can kind of look at it as five weekends you know like someone like Hugo Keenan would probably play every game at full back you know over the next few weeks for Leinster someone he's like super fit he's well able and, and there's, there's, there's no scenario where players ever play five weeks in a row even at a rugby World Cup yeah but no you the would if, if you're in a situation where you're playing knockout rugby after knockout rugby yeah like there's yeah, I like, think I don't, yeah. think there's been a think I don't think there's been a situation where there's been five knockout weekends uh, in a row ever. I do think that goes out the window, Will, at this point. Seriously, yeah. yeah. If you've gotten, like, Look, imagine, could you imagine saying to, first, like, I mean. yeah, could you imagine saying to Leo Cullen, sorry, uh, you know, Hugo Keane is going to be out for, you, know, you can't pick him for whatever. Imagine, no, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, saying you wouldn't be allowed to pick I'm just saying, like, would, like, 
so say if Leinster do get over the line against Toulouse and they have a big game against the Sharks, does Leo Cullen say, oh, okay, I'm going to try to rest some guys now because I might have to play them in a semi-final the week after and then a final against La Rochelle? Or, or does he say... Uh, I think he might rotate one or two you out. Could de- you could definitely get away with r- rotating. But you could keep them on the bench. Do you know yeah. if, you're, if you're kind of worried, you kind of say, right, lads, I need you to pitch up for 30 minutes right, next week. Like that's... I'm very conscious that I'm like, forecasting a victory this weekend. <laughs> but I just wanted to hear what you'd but say. But like, if we're doing it, you can be sure and no one will ever admit it that Leo Cullen is short Lancaster. But you have in last week. You have to have these conversations in terms of planning. And to be fair, Leinster do that unbelievably well but you think of it from an Irish point of view imagine Andy Farrell watching if Leinster win the, these next few weeks that they'll be watching it through his fingers because like you, you mentioned it Luke like, I don't think he's as fearful as other coaches about that no game. we don't want he <laughs> loves it he's loving the more that is a line that is a line but at the same time I, I still think he actually he, he doesn't fear that as much as other people I, I genuinely think he believes that uh, not, to this, not to the extent that the public line is out there like obviously if he loses I don't know. Three, key, three, 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 yeah, yeah. He's obviously gonna be like, shit. That's I don't that, like that it as much as that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't like a plan that much, but I do like a little bit of a plan. But it, I, I do think he doesn't fear that as much as as, as other coaches. In fairness uh, to him, you know, he, and he's proved that because he, he he has been able to rotate guys in and get performances out of players. He, he I think he trusts his own ability and then the players' ability to deliver his game plan. And I think he believes in himself as a coach to be able to get someone to play well. Uh, personal, just just a bird's eye view of him at this point. You know, yeah. Well, what about Munster then in South Africa? You know, they had the great win against the Stormers. They were 22-3 down in the second half. It looked like it could be a, you know, a big win for the Sharks, but they battled back. Ben Healy was really good off the bench. They probably should have won at the end. They had, they were, you know, had a ball held up, and if there was a few seconds left, they would have you know, maybe been able to get that winning score. But it's been a great turnaround, and now they can go. You know, they have a week off to plan for a game against Glasgow. That's definitely winnable. It's it's been a real positive couple of weeks from when on a period where it looked like it could kind of spiral out of control. Yeah, like you think of when they left to go to South Africa, like they had just suffered. Um, they'd been beaten by the Sharks and they'd had a really bad defeat to to Glasgow at home and it had that mad second half against the Scarlets, wasn't it? Um, and you're kind of going. This is a really like defining, you know, not not period, but like it's a defining two weeks for Munster season, but also next season as well in terms of getting Champions Cup qualification. And like going to South Africa is just not, like that's not the place you want to be going to, especially to play uh, the Stormers and the Sharks too of South Africa's best teams. But wow, like it's been so impressive. I think to back up what they did against the Stormers in Cape Town, Okay, they were poor in the first half, and we saw real. We saw exactly what the Sharks are. Jekyll, no. Jekyll and Hyde. They must be so frustrating to kicking that ball home. dead in the five. Like that, that's just, game over there. Like if they score there, they win the game. Yeah, right? but to be fair, I think we should definitely focus on it from a monster point of view in terms of the character they showed in to fight back in that second half. Um, was incredible. They're playing really. some great rugby as they're, well. They're playing yeah. some really, really good rugby, but they're they also. Like Luke made the point in terms of like the young Leinster lads, and I'm not comparing. It's not like for life to compare that Leinster team and what Munster did, but you saw the difference in terms of someone like a Peter O'Mahony, quite literally taking taking the fight. To he's been so good the last two weeks. So he's, he's been so good for a long time. Yeah. To be fair, he really he's has great rugby, excellent yeah. in the six Time to run brilliantly well. But yeah. he those little scuffles, and I made this point I think last week when we were chatting in terms of the scuffle during the Stormers game. It was similar enough in that Sharks game, and you know you can overplay this kind of stuff, but like when others around you are seeing that, when you're just taking it to them, I think that really fed into the Munster performance they scored some lovely tries like you said Will so they now find themselves in a URC quarter final obviously they'll have to go on the road but going to Glasgow is not the 
it's not the worst possible outcome in terms of a, a knockout. It's the best. It could have been back to South exactly. Africa to play the Stormers so, was now, the other option. Glasgow have been going really yeah. well. They hammered Munster, but but they'll be in European action too. Like, exactly. So like, yeah, you know, so they might have an eye potentially in a final the following yeah, week, which ha- would be big for they them. They have so. to manage that. So um, look, Munster season has been a bit mad in terms of like everything that's happened, but now kind of as it's kind of you know coming to its climax, it's been without obviously yet having a trophy to show, but I would say quite a successful season. I in agree terms completely. Of they've changed their. Um, whole game plan it's much more positive much more in keeping with the modern game I think there's been more of a reconnection maybe with the supporters and things like that which maybe was lost over the last couple of years younger players like Calvin Nash is playing out of his skin Shane, Shane Daly, Daly yeah. these guys are being trusted in the big games even like you saw Keith Earls you know obviously unbelievable achievement for him to play 200 games last weekend but in times gone by if a likes of a Keith Earls was fit, he was walking back into that team for big games. And that is, that's just the way it was in the previous era, whereas there was never any sense of that. Shane Daly and Calvin Nash have been playing exceptional rugby, particularly Calvin Nash, who's, I think his rise has been unbelievable. I'm not sure many people saw him kind of going to these heights. And I think he's got another bit to go as well. So it's been a hugely, hugely positive season now for Munster. But I would caveat that by saying, you had Stephen Archer who did unbelievably well to play back-to-back 80 minutes. The scrums did still struggle. The man, they, Ox Nietzsche, I, I think he's pretty crap around the park, but he always about to drop the ball, but his scrummaging unbelievable. is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he, but he looks so awkward. Like, he's he so does, small. He like he's he's actually so built to scrummage. Like, he does. Yeah. He's perfect body shape for a jack. Like the shape of a scrummaging machine. Like, he looks a bit like, he's a, he has not, not the same shape, but it's a bit of a Marty Moore about him. You know, he's just like yeah. perfectly built for, for yeah. kind of being like, just. I mean, he must be a nightmare because it seems like no matter if he bends into that position, he seems like he be in a perfect position to scrummage. You're not going to make yeah, I, did, like, I did enjoy his fist bump to Orgy Snyman on the bench while uh, all hell was breaking loose with the scuffle in front of him that was absolutely hilarious. But uh, the point I was going to make is that I think it's really important that whoever's making the decisions behind the scenes doesn't lose sight of the bigger picture stuff here. And I still I still think Munster will struggle to win the URC, but I don't think like you know most supporters would have expected Munster to win the URC this year. And that's fine. But they still need to that that front row needs needs uh, work. And I still think until they address that issue, they're still gonna plateau at certain stages of the season, as well as Stephen Archer did. John Ryan is coming back, but they're two guys at the opposite end of their career. And the fact that Stephen Archer had to play back to back 80 minutes to me highlights the issues that Munster still have. So while the glass is certainly half full with Munster. Like I said, the people behind the scenes have to be mindful. It, it, was, it was great to see. Like I have to, I thought he played. Really, I was pretty unlucky not to get. It was a, it was a dodgy enough awful, awful. I thought at one stage he was going to come in for that try. He nearly picked it up off the bootlaces, but. Um, it was good to see him play the enemies, but you're right. It, it, it ain't. It's not right at this stage. Like he's not as, you know, he's not as dynamic as you know. Like a furlong you go, like I'm, you know, in a big game. Like that was a must win for for Munster. You know, you want to keep your best players on the pitch, but you could kind of see why you'd keep. Like Furlong is kind of doing some fancy stuff out there. Like he might, Archer, he might put Archer's someone through. Adapted own. well, I think. To no, he has that. No, he has adapted he, well. But I'm just saying, he's not Furlong. No, but no, 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 yeah. no. But I'm not. I'm. It's probably unfair to 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 compare the two, right? But, but as the game opens up and Munster probably need a little bit of, you know, something around the pitch. Mm-hmm. You know, you could bring on like you. You wouldn't take Furlong off if you were chasing a try. Put it that way. Whereas if you were chasing a game, you might say, ah. Oh, Archie's put in a serious shift here, you know what I mean? Maybe let's take him off in 65 and bring in some fresh legs and just see if we can, you know, get a couple of carries or a couple of big tackles out of someone. Whereas, you know, he's he's just not that, he's not as dynamic. That's de- I think that's definitely fair to say to, without being, no, you know... Uh, to your point though, like how is, how is a front round on top of the recruitment list? Like they, you know, 
they brought in a, a Chiefs centre for next year. Um, but the head coach is, is like a world renowned, like one of the greats uh, yeah. in terms of. Um, I can even see Kitchoff going up to Ulster now. And, you know, however, yeah. I don't know how they're funny or not about whatever. I, but, you know. I think there's there's more to it. I think, like, and I'm not really sh- like you know. I don't want to say this is an absolute fact, but I would find it hard to believe that again the people behind the scenes at Munster haven't gone yeah. and said to the IRFU or whatever yeah. we need to get someone in here yeah. that takes they're hardly saying oh we don't I- need exactly. do you think oh, yeah. that they think he like Roundtree could could find someone in the current pile and really make something of them but is that's that, but is, is, I think his job is bigger than that now than, exactly. than that but like it's is that what there's not time to exactly. but, but you like, reckon that is but he like, sorry if he's not going to get the money the point what I'm trying to make is that if he's not getting the money he needs to put the time but if there's money there for Fakatoa how could they not how could you just take that money and spend because, because the IRFU were looking at again the where they're spending the money the yeah. NIQs in certain positions so the fact that Kitchoff is coming in now you have Michael Alatoa obviously in Leinster so like they like David Nusifora would say like well they're you know, blocking minutes to guys, but they're there for a reason. So I have a feeling, my sense is that... But Munster are the ones who needed the most. So no, yeah, absolutely. Case, but I don't so know yeah. if there's been a case where they haven't had sign-off by... And again, I'm not sure... How they would have got... Sal- Do you know what I find a bit mad? It's like, it seems like they got Salonoa in, and it seems like Leinster were able to fill that void with, with Al Alatoa, who's an international. Um, whereas I think the... You know, Salonoa is definitely a prospect, but certainly... He's, he's injured, been a prospect yeah. for a while. It, that's think, that's my know, point, yeah. is that like that seems like a bad trade to me. Like that seems like, you know... Why would they get to him and then Leinster get to bring in a Samoan international? Like that, that never seemed like a good swap for me. Um, so that, like, and they need a starting guy too. I think they need a, a hooker, yeah. hooker as well, a big, big time, a yeah. big hooker. Just a bit of dynamism. All those Mark's rumors, like. Yeah, Why can't that be true? But he's exactly <laughs> yeah, what he, he needs. That's the funny thing. You know like what it. I mean? And Dear McBarren, I think, has been playing really, really well. But when good it, in South Africa. But when it comes to the crunch, when you're playing against the big boys and knockout rugby, you need that bit of heft. And look, this has been the kind of problem for Munster for years. But I think to give Munster some credit, I just don't think it's a case where they're going, oh, let's just you spend haven't, all you haven't money. spotted it. Exactly. Like it. Especially, like, you, you hit the nail on the head, Luke. Graham Rountree knows his onions yeah, in terms yeah, of the yeah. front row. Yeah. So I think there's more to it at play. So it'll I'm, be interesting to see how it plays out. My understanding is they are trying to sign a front row. Now, how you know big we're talking about in terms of profile, I'm not sure. But my understanding is they are trying to sign someone, uh, whether that's a hooker, whether it's a loose head. Um, we're not quite sure. Like Keenan Knox is another guy who, you know, Munster have had great hopes for. He hasn't really... He's been injured as well. Like in like himself and Salanoa, you know, he got great expectations for them. But like you said, Will... Graham Roundtree doesn't exactly have time to, you know, like he needs, you need success now and, and Munster haven't had success for so long, like supporters have been starved with. So it seems a shame. Like it seems like for, to, for the pay they would get out of having, uh, you know, like two really top class guys come in, um, you know, w- with a bit of pedigree, what that would do for the team. I just think it would really, it would settle in that team. You've got kind of a few, you know, really exciting young pieces of, of, of kind of, you know, you, you think of your Crowley, you know, you think of the Nash, these guys, uh, you know, there, there's loads of the quality. Back well. The back yeah. row is some, you know, so those two young guys from the 20s coming in. Um, you know, there's plenty of quality coming in there. A few just guys to settle it down, to give you a strong scrum, to give you a great line out. You've got Snyman back now. You've got Ty Byrne to come back into that team. You've There is plenty to be excited about. That's the one bit that not to have too much of a go at them because I think they're you know I, I just think it needs a bit of investment. I think you know if you're spending four or five hundred grand, like spending on a centre is not is not going to be what changes the changes the the course of this team's kind of you know what they achieve, you know what they or what they can go on to achieve. I think if you can put the money in there, that's where I think you'd see the in, instant pay. 
uh, would be my, my opinion on it. I think it sounds like it's nearly everyone's yeah, opinion. Yeah, like they're obviously bringing in Sean O'Brien from Exeter Chiefs. He's been going really well for them in, in the last few weeks. I wouldn't but say he's massive money. No, no, exactly. But sorry, yeah. my point is like Fekitoa is going to be off the bu- books who is on massive money. So you're bringing in Alex Nankavell and you're bringing in Sean O'Brien. Now, obviously they've lost Chris Farrell who would have been on decent enough money and Dan Goggin is gone as well. So they needed to... Identify, like you know, put put a bit of effort into the centres because I feel like it's been a bit of a stick to beat Munster at all. They're signing more centres, but they're losing three centres at the end of the season and have already lost two of them. So they needed to get guys in there. I suppose like the bigger picture is like why aren't Munster producing more centres as well? It's been a bit mad actually that Munster haven't produced more top class centres given the amount of good players like Luke said in terms of what's coming through. So um, I've no doubt that they're trying to address the issue. And like post World Cup is generally a good time to go into the market. Like guys are looking for new challenges and stuff like that. But it's are they going to get a kitsch off? I'm not sure. But if you could get someone I under get, the radar, you know, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, Tommy O'Brien, to see some of the tackles and some of the turnovers. Like he be he could be a great little. Doesn't play in the front row though. No, but, uh, <laughs> no, I'm talking about the centres. Obviously, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I know. I, I was Primary really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but there's a few guys. I don't know. I, I think there's somebody. He looks exciting to me. It might be hard to get him to shift from Leinster, but if if he looks at what's ahead of him, so you know he's waiting on an injury probably to get into the Leinster, and he probably doesn't think that himself. Maybe he needs an, an agent or someone to go think about this. But if he th- he be, he would be a grand. He looks fiery. He looks like up for the fight to me. That wasn't going well in the weekend for for Leinster, and he was making some big tackles and some great turnovers uh, someone like him is very exciting he's got a nice kick as well a good, good long kick of a ball um, I don't know I think they should be, there's, there, there are guys around that I think they should be approaching um, as well just to make you know and they wouldn't be unbelievably expensive I think where you spend the money if I was them is definitely front row I completely agree with Keane yeah, what about Ben Healy kind of boat weeks uh, against the Stormers and the Sharks sort of coming off the bench and, and completely igniting the comeback last week there. They were 19 points down and then even, you know, putting in some really good passes for the, for the key tries against the Stormers. It's, it wasn't the first time we've seen it in Irish rugby where someone's kind of agreed to move and then it's kind of hit a rich vein of form and you're thinking, oh, fuck, what might have been? Uh, I, I, this is I, this is a bit of, what's the word, like a tricky situation. So I think Ben Healy is playing with renewed confidence because he went into Scotland camp and was told, like, you know, you're 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 an international rugby player. Uh, he got his cap, obviously, in the last game against Italy. Like, that can only do wonders for your confidence. So he's come back, I would say, a better all-round player. Like a like, Ross Byrne a bit. Exactly, yeah. That's a good, yeah, fair, fair example, yeah. Um, the thing about... Ben Healy is and sometimes I feel like again it gets lost and Munster get criticised for this when it's not actually the case Munster offered Ben Healy a contract right Ben Healy's the issue was Ben Healy wants to play international rugby as any young ambitious player should he went to Andy Farrell had a conversation Andy Farrell was honest enough front with him and said look you, get, you, you are where you are in the pecking order and it was like open and honest about that. So Ben Healy then said, okay, well, I'm not going to sign for Munster if I'm going to have to wait however long to play for Ireland. He's gone to Scotland, he's made his decision. So I don't think like, and I'm not suggesting, Will, that you said that, but there certainly are like, how are Munster letting this guy go? It's There's a lot, oh, there's yeah. a lot it's more. It's a no-brainer for Ben Healy, I think. He's, he could be starting for Edinburgh next year and there's like a minimum you know, it could be second choice for Scott. When he made the decision as well, he hadn't been playing well. He His tackling was atrocious. He'd had a few bad weeks for, for Munster. Um, had gotten a little bit of stick. Wasn't, looked like he was far down the pecking order there. Joey was obviously in a very different That's circumstance. Yeah. Yeah. That's really yeah. changed. Like, does yeah. he decide if, if it's, if kind of the decision comes up right now, he probably, he might No, but he, he, yeah. look, you yeah. can only make your decisions yeah. based on all the available information at that point. You look yeah. at Joey's age, uh, you know, his kind of age profile as well. There's still plenty of time for him to make a comeback so this actually might end up
up being a very good decision, even if right now it looks like, oh, maybe I'll pull the trigger too soon. I don't think he has. I think Neither he's, I. Uh, I think it's the, it's the right call for him. I think, you know, that relationship, Finn Russell and, and, and Gregor Townsend <laughs> is always on edge, you know, and I think, um, you know, Finn Russell nearly enjoys that, or he, like, or he can't seem to help himself. <laughs> it's in a good place currently, but that's always it seems to be on the edge of being frayed. I think he could be very solid for them. I think he's the kind of guy who might suit that that Scotland game plan well. Um, you know, I think one, if you get his tackling sorted, he looks like a strong player to me. He's, he's a got big that boy. big boot. He's a big he's got boy that as big well, boot. Yeah, yeah no, but he should be a good know, tackler. You, you like, know? You like a, a big ten in terms of in the defensive line. It makes a big about. difference. Well, yeah, I yeah. like him if they tackle. Um, <laughs> you know, and I think it's important that you're tackle there because you're you're you, it's a like most great teams have a, have a have a guy who's brave in there, um, you know, and most winning teams have a guy who's brave in there. I think more importantly, uh, and I think if you know he has all, I, I suppose I was more disappointed with it. And I remember there's loads of commentators, you know, through the games who pointed it out. When, you know, at, at the time he missed some really bad ones. Um, he's big enough, as I said, to be strong there, and that shouldn't be a weakness in his game. That's probably why you know people like me pointed out. But everything else in his game. He's a big addition wherever he goes. Like he's got well, a cannon of a boot. Look at that backline he's going to have at Edinburgh. Like Duan van der Merwe, Buffelli from Argentina, Darcy Graham. These are serious backs that he'll be playing with next you, year. You could see as well um, when he came on in both games. Actually, you could see how vocal he is. You can see it on TV when they're gathered in the huddle. Like, he, and that is the one thing that you know Andy Farrell wants to see more of from Joey Carberry. But you can see it in a guy like that. And you know, it's kind of it's funny, really, if he hadn't had won that cap, you know, at the end of Six Nations. I wonder would it have been a bit of like you know. Oh, is there any kind of get <laughs> yeah. here but, but Luke's right like I mean Joey Carberry's just going through a dip there's nothing to say that he can't come back and then Ben Healy finds himself in that same situation what if he picks up an injury then and his chance of you know like if if the World Cup was on in the morning Ben Healy's going like you know what yep. I mean and, so that's, and he's an injury away from potentially exactly. starting because so, Blair Kinghorn yeah. is not on out so that's what you're no, talking about so that's what you're, yeah, I couldn't agree more actually with both of you about that. But that's what you're talking, what's at stake yeah. here. And he's been playing so well. So if you were picking a 10 on form, Ben Healy's probably been better than Jack Crowley maybe over the last couple of weeks. Last so. couple of weeks he has. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah but yeah. I, still, I would still fully expect and Munster He came to on at the turning of the game. You know, there was a bit of a desperation. There was a bit of a lull and, and Munster got a reaction. Mm. And he did come on. And there were look, 20 points no, he, there when he came on. No, he did yeah. spur that. But, he, you know, the, the pack had turned it around at that yeah. stage. You know, there was, there was lots of things that kind of support, that kind of underpinned the performance, not just him playing well but you still have to play well in those in those positions and for a guy who hasn't played a massive amount of rugby this season who's gone through a bit of up and down in terms of form uh, and selection um, he's been really good and it's pleasing for him like you know you, you like, him, you like yeah. seeing a young I was going to say Irish guy I suppose Scottish guy now but you like seeing a young guy um, in a pressure position come on and perform and do well for the team it's very pleasing and for backing him. himself as well to you know to go and fulfil his potential of being an international talent and not willing to wait around for his opportunity I think fair play to him good on him yeah no, definitely it'll be interesting to see how he gets on maybe at the World Cup if he goes and even next season with Edinburgh and if, if he kind of works his way in there so to wrap up then we might get predictions for, for the big one on Saturday Keane Leinster Toulouse Three o'clock in the Viva Stadium. Who do you think will win? Um, can't wait for it. Like I said earlier, really, really can't wait for it. Like you summed it up well at the start. Well, it just has the feel of a big, big week. Um, yeah, I would. I would be not as confident, absolutely, as I've been in the last couple of Leinster knockout games. But I would be reasonably confident um, about Leinster. I think for all the reasons that you said. I think the the centre partnership is the one area where they have um, I would say a distinct advantage I think the packs match up really well um, I think the Wayne Barnes factor is really important and I think the benches could have a big big part to play as well and we just went through the selection dilemmas that Leinster have so they're going to have a strong bench but so will Toulouse so um, I think if, if Leinster can match what Toulouse are going to throw at them up front and Toulouse will try and slow the game down as Luke touched on as well 
But I think for Leinster, it's all about playing a tempo. Um, Ugo Mola spoke about it after the game last year in terms of like how fast Leinster played. They just weren't used to that in the top 14. And I think it was Richie Arnold was saying it again uh, in the last in the last couple of weeks as well, that that is the big thing to be able to handle the pace. So I don't think we're going to get anything different that we haven't seen from Leinster in terms of the game plan. It's doubling down in that speed. And that's why I think Jameson Gibson Park is going to be so, so important to that. So um, I would imagine Leinster, but definitely in single digits and anyway, maybe by four or five points I think it'll be it would be much tighter I think yeah. than last year I, I, I do think home advantage we haven't really touched on yeah, but like yeah. it, it's massive it like, you, I, like you can't underestimate how like how much that means if it was a neutral venue or if it was in a neutral you know home venue advantage in France it's, I think it's a completely different uh, game but you know I pretty much agree with everything you said there Luke what about yourself um yeah, I think Nets will get it done. Uh, I think it's a difficult day out. Uh, I think um, Toulouse um, will have learned. Toulouse will have learned more over the last couple of years than than Leinster have over the last couple of outings against Ireland and against uh, Leinster. Uh, then Leinster will have learned about Toulouse. I think this Toulouse team are playing better. Um, I think it's from what the soundings I got. It sounds like it's when I think of the teams that are giving Leinster trouble and how they play against them. I think it sounds like Toulouse are making all the right noises about about how you would stop go about stopping this Leinster team. Um, the tricky part for them is that they need the game to be fast to open up and to, to see the likes of Entomac and Dupont and Ramos and all these guys. They need it fast for those periods too to be able to break Leinster down. Um, so that's going to be challenging for them to slow it down, to figure out when, when to do that. Um, and I think it might be just a little bit too difficult to stop Leinster over 80 minutes. And I think Leinster will have a little bit too much in that pack. But again, very tight. I think it was a great point you made about the centres. And I think that's probably the key bit for me. I think defensively and in attack, um, it's such a key part, part of the pitch. Uh, it really sets the tempo for everyone else. And I yeah, I predict a big one from Henshaw as well. I think he's a really important player. He's my favourite player to watch, actually. And um, closely followed by Keane. I think Leinster just have a little bit too much for, for this Toulouse team. I, I agree. Uh, I'll say... I'll say 10 points. I think I think it is tight, though. I think Leinster might pull away just in the last little bit of the game, but I, I'm going to say 10 points to Leinster, yeah. Well, it's settled to be an absolute cracker. Luke, Keane, thanks so much for joining me tonight. We'll be back next week with another podcast. Looking back on all the action, in the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.